Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have Ben Fox with me, and we're going to be diving into some of the concepts of communications within healthcare, things that you got to consider and things that you should be thinking about. Ben is a senior director of global communications at GE Healthcare. He manages two verticals one that does $9 billion and the other that does $5 billion in, in business. And uh, his, his focus in his career has, has been in communications for a long time, external relations. And it's a pleasure to be able to, to touch base with him on this area of focus. So, Ben, it's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure's all mine, Saul. Thanks. Absolutely. Now, did I miss anything in that intro that you wanted to share with the listeners? Not really. It was a very kind intro. I think I'm really excited to join the podcast today. I I look back at sort of my own listening entertainment choices over the last five years, and I would say podcasts have slowly risen up the charts to the point where in my daily commute, I I seldom turn the radio on anymore. It's uh, mainly just podcasts back and forth there. So I think this is a medium that uh, meets demand and and one that obviously is uh, is growing right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Ben. And I mean, nowadays you can choose what to listen to. And radio, you sort of just get spoon fed whatever comes out. So couldn't agree with you more. So you could have done communications in any area, but you decided to focus on the medical sector. Why did you decide that? It's a little bit of a roundabout story, Saul. I would say, one, healthcare is in my DNA. My mother, my father-in-law, sisters, they're all nurses, all in healthcare. And I never really felt pulled into the clinical side of healthcare. I would say I feel very fulfilled and very purpose-driven to be part of the industry and just a few steps away from that patient care that my relatives are in. But no, I, I didn't really go to school planning to be in healthcare communications. After grad school, where I majored and got a master's in uh international relations, I jumped right into political communications. And part of that was dealing with the Department of Health and Human Services and the equivalents at the state level where I served. But long story short, after that stint in political comms, I jumped into healthcare at GE Healthcare here and have been here for uh, seven and a half years. 
Amazing. You've had quite the ride over there, Ben. You've seen a lot of the innovative approaches and and sort of the ride that you go on when you're with a large medical device manufacturer like GE. But when it gets to communications, I feel like there's a lot of common denominators, whether you be a provider, whether you be a med device company or pharma or digital firm for that matter. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what you believe a hot topic within communication needs to be for the listeners. What could they do to do a better job of their communication? It's a very good question. I guess to answer that, I'll start at the macro level and then work myself down to sort of a more personal micro level. And I'll start with a cliche. And that cliche being, I'd argue that healthcare as an industry is still very much stuck in silo mentality. That's not a new argument. I, I think agree. if you look at the pain points in healthcare, as you've talked about on your podcast before, Saul, unsustainable cost increases, lack of access, EMR, EHR integration, disjointed care plans when it comes to diagnosis or treatment or planning. That's where the opportunity is in healthcare, basically a disconnected healthcare industry. And that's what at GE Healthcare here, we call that precision health. And that's sort of where we're moving in the future. And, and simply put, I would call, I would describe precision health as ensuring that the right actions are taken at the right time for each and every patient. And that enables better cost, uh, better care at lower cost, it enables better care for more people, and enables better care in a lot of different care settings, maybe some that we're not completely used to. I think that means also connecting across the care continuum. That means going from diagnosis to treatment to monitoring. It means mixing, merging, biotech, medical imaging, where GE Healthcare plays really strongly, and monitoring tools. So that's your hardware, your software, and even your wetware, sort of the data and your DNA, all in one smooth sort of pathway. No silos. That's the cliche. Uh, I think mm -hmm. granular, getting down a little bit, I would say, personally, I look at the way I interact with my bank, maybe my insurance company, my realtor even, how I go about traveling, what I do for entertainment. You know, all that over the last decade has completely shifted, very obviously, for many, if not all of us. It's all digital now. It's all at the touch of a button. Honestly, my phone does more than my first computer at a job ever did. It's incredible. But then you get into the healthcare experience, and too often, not all the time, but too often, there's still, you know, note-taking on, on actual physical pieces of paper. There's disconnection. There's paper forms, there's waiting rooms, there's mysterious delays and, and questionable costs. There's even bureaucracy. I think healthcare is ripe for change. It's a common argument. But again, seeing it in my own life, I would say that's sort of the hot topic that GE Healthcare and others obviously are looking at. For sure. Couldn't agree with you more. There's definitely some big opportunities to dive in and, uh, and make it better. And Ben, what would you say right now is an example of what you and your organization have done to improve outcomes and do things differently? That's a question a, a PR guy like me loves. I could probably talk for, <laughs> for a straight hour about this. You know, I could Give talk about <laughs> pocket size ultrasound that GE Healthcare makes that help makes medical diagnosis more convenient, faster, more accessible to every corner of the globe. I could talk about our new mammography offerings, which actually put a remote control in the hands of patients. And help sort of address some of that discomfort that mammography is often associated with. But I think I want to focus on one, and it's a fairly new one, and it's called what we call here at GE the command center. Mm -hmm. And it gets back to this idea of, of challenging the silos in healthcare that we talked about earlier, Saul. So set the stage a little bit for these command centers. First, understood, fact, U.S. and even international healthcare systems face massive challenges when it comes to cost, access, chronic diseases, aging populations, et cetera. 
And if you look at finding ways to address that challenge, improving the efficiency, part of the challenge there is congestion in our healthcare system and specifically congestion in hospitals and health systems, uh, traffic jams, to put it bluntly. Now, what some of the leading health institutions are starting to do, and, and GE is partnering with many of these, is look at transforming how they take these traffic jams, how they manage these complex hospital processes, and basically redesign patient flow and create and integrate a predictive command center. Uh, Think of it like a sort of a NASA control room. And we've all got this idea of sort of a massive room. Houston, we have a problem where you've got hundreds of monitors, hundreds of screens with experts there on call to address basically the biggest questions of the day. Now, John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins is doing this with GE right now, and they did it, and they're they're seeing results already. Their emergency department bed assignment, one of the traffic jams they were having, has Mm -hmm. been reduced since we put in this command center, an actual physical room to address this. And they've also seen hospital occupancy, admissions, all those stats getting better. Now, patients, I would say, I would just make the point that they don't necessarily see the impact of a command center. They don't walk through it on their tour. They obviously come in through the ED or come in for a procedure, but they feel the impact and they feel it because the team working behind the scenes gets them into the hospital faster, gets them in the right bed faster, gets them the right treatment, the right appointments with doctors faster. And basically at the end of the day, gets them out the door faster. Because as you know, hospitals, health systems in the US especially are becoming cost centers, not profit centers necessarily. And the goal is to get a patient better faster and out the door, not to linger in the hospital. So we're doing a bunch of these command centers around the country here in the U.S. at least, Oregon, Florida, even Canada, up north of the border there, and then obviously Johns Hopkins that I mentioned. And and we think it's one of those ways to look beyond silos, look at a cross-system approach, and actually address the pain point that hospitals are saying is, is one of their main frustrations. You know what? That's super cool, Ben, that you guys are focused in in this area of workflow because it certainly is uh, is an issue in the healthcare system. And just as we, as we take a look at med device companies, period, definitely a call out is how can you partner with your customer being the number one, the healthcare providers, but to the, the consumer to deliver better care. And Ben's example of these centers is such a great opportunity to add value to physicians and clinicians that are experiencing this burnout, right? I mean, we hear it constantly. So kudos to you and your team, Ben, for the work that you guys are doing with this. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. And it's something we're seeing actually sort of similar to technology adoption across leading institutions. We're seeing a place like Johns Hopkins doing this successfully, getting some metrics, getting patient satisfaction scores up, clinical satisfaction scores up and it's sort of spreading, right? It's one of those things that spreads in a good way, unlike a disease. But I think command centers or or that idea of crossing your platform and really looking at those workflow questions at a macro level are going to be big in the next stage of healthcare. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so interesting. Now, talk to me about a time when you have made a mistake or have had a setback. Mm. What did you learn from that? Oh, boy. <laughs> I think, you know, so I guess I'll, I'll go back early in my career, and this is before I joined GE Healthcare. I was right out of grad school, fairly wet behind the years, and eager, I think, like a lot of folks early out of school and early professionally to make a good impression. I would say back then, one thing I lacked was that good sense around balancing my work life and, and my life life, my personal life. 
I think early on, I felt pressured and, and maybe I pressured myself to work longer hours, probably the necessary to basically define myself by my profession. And I think that can create some good opportunities in the short run. But I think long term, it was definitely a mistake on my end. I think of it like a wheel sort of, and this is something mm-hmm. I remember uh, my dad sort of drilling into me as a youngster. He would say, you know, your life, Ben, has has a lot of spokes in it, right? You've got your your professional life, your academic life, your social life, your family, your physical side of your life, your spiritual side, and all those spokes are part of a wheel. And if one is too long or you're focusing on one or two of those and not on the others, your wheel gets out of balance and it basically won't roll well. And I would Mm -hmm. say early on in my career, my mistake, Saul, was getting my wheel out of balance and probably over-focusing my life on work. To say that, it sounds like one of those interview questions you should never answer saying, I work too hard, that's my failing, right? But I would say this actually did do damage and it was a mistake. And I think but for a, a, a very patient wife in those times and, and sort of learning from good mentors, I, I found that putting that much emphasis on work was probably not healthy in a lot of ways. And, and having a good personal life and a solid and fulfilling life life actually helps you in your professional life. So that's a, a sort of a, a lesson learned early on and probably a lesson that, that all of us need to learn in the, uh, in the professional world at some point. Yeah, Ben, I, I'm glad you bring that up because it's important in the healthcare space, we're working to help others with their health. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have a solid health base, it's a problem, you know, and a lot of things that happen from not spending time in this space could be, you know, marital stress or financial stress or any other stressors that could lead to deterioration of your health, lack of sleep. It's super important that we focus on these. And so, Ben, I'm glad that you brought it up. Is there any particular practice that now you do in order to help remind yourself to keep focusing on, on that life spoke, as you, as you said it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, you know, uh, several, several folks I know try to turn maybe off their work phone or don't answer emails after a certain time at night. It, that can be a little tricky in a, in a global company and when you have a global remit. So I, I definitely can't or, and don't do that. What I would say is I try to make substantial and sort of uh, purpose-driven commitments outside of work. And that can be as simple as coaching one of my kids' soccer teams every, every fall and making sure I'm, I'm reading next to my teenage daughter and trying to at least keep an eye on the titles she's reading and, and make sure yeah. that, that I spend quality time with her. I think it's just being purposeful in your commitments and realizing there's a ton out there aside from work and actually engaging in those things helps your, helps your work focus quite a bit for me at least. Love that, Ben. Good for you, man. That's a, a great, great work that you're doing there professionally and personally. So now that you're sort of focused on this global business, what would you say one of the most proud leadership experiences you've had to date with the business? Yeah, that's a good one. I think I, I'll point to two. One is G Healthcare, one of our businesses makes maternal infant care products. And those can be anything from infant warmers to incubators to basically life support systems for a, a prematurely born infant. And that's a one of the most vulnerable, I would say, moments in the healthcare experience for any parent who's experienced that. I have not had that experience, and but have known a lot of people who have. And frankly, what has been one of the most proud moments for me and for our entire team here is when somebody on staff has to go through that. And part of going through that, you realize the products you are making, the products you are talking about, the products, frankly, that you are and solutions you're selling into the healthcare system 
are actually part of life and death decisions. They're helping clinicians save lives and improve these incredibly small little infants who, who don't have the greatest odds and that your systems are actually increasing those odds. I think it's one of those moments you can sort of say, I'm going to go into work tomorrow with a, with a renewed energy, with a renewed purpose and say, okay, this matters. And, yeah. you know, a doctor, a nurse, any type of caregiver like that can probably have that driving force every day. I think when you separate yourself and, and join a vendor like GE Healthcare, finding those moments where GE Healthcare or the GE monogram is on an infant incubator that has saved a life of a prematurely born infant. And it's the life of a child of a coworker you go to work every day with. That's a pretty proud moment. It's not a, it's not a revenue number. It's not an operating profit statistic. It's not a growth rate. It's not anything like that, but it's real. It's personal. It's tangible. And it's really impactful. Absolutely. Yeah, Ben. And it brings it home, you know, and when somebody close to you, if it's not you, experiences the benefits of that. Absolutely. So tell us about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today. So the the incredibly gargantuan project that sits on the horizon for me and for all, frankly, GE Healthcare right now flows from GE CEO, John Flannery, his announcement about a month ago that they intend to make GE Healthcare its standalone company. This was uh, obviously big news in the press, uh, big news for investors, and big news for the company. It's a serious challenge. It's obviously a huge opportunity. And while our focus obviously stays our customers, clinicians, caregivers, and patients, that doesn't change. Our name doesn't change. Our DNA doesn't change. I would say other things will shift. And this transition, which is going to take anywhere between 12 and 18 months here, and we're just on the front end of this, I think there's going to be an incredible amount of both strategic and tactical work. And if you look at functions from a corporate perspective, I think functions like HR, uh, human resources, IT, the finance team, and especially communications where I sit, we're going to be in the vanguard of that change. There's going to be a lot asked of us. And frankly, there's going to be a lot expected of us. And, I, and that said, we continue serving our customers, continue business as usual, helping clinicians best serve their patients and keep our promise to investors. But also we need to make sure that we take the right steps, take this journey toward becoming a standalone company in the right way. For me, it's probably a once in a, in a career type opportunity. It's really exciting in several levels, but it's going to be a ton of work. And that's sort of the big project sitting on the horizon for us. For sure. Yeah. When I heard about that happening, I thought, you know, what a great opportunity to really focus and really just double down on healthcare. There's nothing more powerful than, than focus. And I think that what's on the other side of it, uh, like you, Ben, said, it's, it's just a tremendous opportunity. Yep, absolutely. So as we work through healthcare, uh, one of the things that we like to do here on the podcast is put together a short syllabus. And you and I will do that here through our 101 course, we call it for this one, the 101 of Ben Fox on the healthcare business of healthcare. So I've got four questions, lightning round style for you, followed by your favorite book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Innovate with the patient and the clinician in mind. So by that, I just mean connecting the engineering design teams with the clinician and even the patient ahead of time. Obviously, med tech is getting more and more advanced with each iteration. And in fact, people are saying, and you sort of see day to day that the innovation curve is going up at a steeper rate. I think what's important though is making sure that innovation is patient friendly, not just widget innovation for its own sake. 
Love that. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? So I had a manager early in my career who used to give sort of three rules to live by. And, and I've, I've edited them a bit, but I would say uh, they all touch on this question. His first rule was always use a number two pencil. In other words, everyone makes mistakes. Be ready to erase something and move forward, fail fast. So always right. use a number two pencil. His second rule was know what a gallon of milk costs at the corner store. Huh. And that was sort of a cynical way of saying, do not get your head so stuck up in the clouds at the macro level that you lose touch with what's really going on on the ground. And that's very important for healthcare, I think, for companies like GE and even for clinicians to really know what that gallon of gas costs or gallon of milk costs at the corner store for the patient. Here in Wisconsin, it's about two bucks, 99 cents. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but that's the second rule. And finally, the third rule, he always uh, called it UPOD, U-P-O-D, and that's just under promise and over deliver. And I think oftentimes you, uh, you find yourself uh, tempted to over promise and under deliver on things and really need to flip those. So I just go with those three. I love that, Ben. Love the simplicity of it too. Use that pencil. Know what that gallon of milk costs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you yeah. pod, baby. Yeah. <laughs> love that. That one's sticking, my friend. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? We are facing that question right now at GE Healthcare. Mm -hmm. I think one of the easy answers is we need to act as a startup, act just like yeah. a startup would, even though we're a century-old company. We need to, even though it's cliche, make sure we try to disrupt ourselves every day so that someone else in the market doesn't do it for us. And uh, it's a challenge, but it's definitely something we're aware of and working toward. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a healthcare organization? I would say keep the patient and keep the clinician as your North Star. So focus externally, don't get stuck in your vendor, provider, payer mindset, but go from the, from the mindset, from the perspective of the patient and the clinician. What book would you recommend as part of the syllabus to the listeners, Ben? So two I read recently were uh, Quiet, I think by Susan Cain, and it's a, it's a book all about the power of introverts. I tend to identify as one of those occasionally, and, nice. and it was an interesting um, argument that there is power in introversion that uh, maybe hasn't been recognized in the past. There's one I finished last week called Artemis, and it, it's a book about basically uh, near-future space travel on the moon. It's by Andy Weir. It's, he was the author of The Martian, which was the, oh, yeah. uh, the movie recently. And I guess that brings me to the book I'd recommend if I had to, and it's uh, not healthcare related, but it's called Dune. It's by Frank Herbert, and basically you're not going to find a better sci-fi or sweeping narrative out there. I think back 15, 18 years ago when I first met my wife, and we were dating long distance for a bit and writing a lot of letters back and forth, and one of those times I just sent her this book, Dune, and she was uh, not a sci-fi fan, but... I knew she was the one when she read it all and, uh, and shipped awesome. it back to me. So, so I'd say Dune, <laughs> but I can give you a long list if you want. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. No, I appreciate that recommendation. And listeners, go to outcomesrocket.health slash Ben Fox, B-E-N-F-O-X. You're going to find all the show notes, the transcript of our discussion today, links to the books that he recommended, and all of the things that we discussed. So Ben, this has been a ton of fun. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with or follow you. Yeah, the best place to uh, get in touch with me is just on LinkedIn. I think it's uh, Benjamin Fox at GE Healthcare. I don't think there's another one, but closing thoughts. Uh, thank you for having me on, Saul. It's been a blast. But I would say I'm finding as an introvert and as somebody who, uh, 
who sort of recognizes along with a lot of us that silos are an issue in healthcare as well as under other industries. I think relationships are part of the answer and that's what's going to get us over some of these humps. And that's a personal, that's a professional, that's sort of a whole life, whole wheel of life there, encouragement to myself and, and to everybody there. Outstanding advice there, Ben. Thank you so much for spending time with us. This has been insightful and we'll definitely be uh, keeping in touch as the months fly by here with this transition of GE and maybe we'd love to have you back on after the transition's over. Wonderful. We'd love to, Saul. Thanks much. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.